what happens is most people have the trauma in their childhood, okay? Okay. And what distinguishes the military from the, the civilian is that uh, most people that go in the military don't realize, about nine out of 10, right. don't realize that they already have PTSD when they sign up. This is the right. real breakthrough. Because then they go into the military and they see things that no human being should ever see. And yet this is part of the military life. So they have a trauma and all the reactions on top of a trauma and all those reactions. And one of the things that, that we've done is to be able to understand trauma from a non-psychological point of view. Yeah. Because everybody's looking at the psychological. Yes. Secondly, it isn't in my opinion, and all of the evidence is on my side. That's why I have this opinion. The trauma itself is not what causes the damage, What is not what causes post-traumatic stress disorder. back to the Shelvich podcast show. In our modern life, we always have a lot of stress, a lot of fear, especially in today's society. There's a lot of politic, um, bad news and financial news and other news surrounding us makes us uh, fear, makes us don't have confidence and makes us perform less. So today, um, I invited a special guest and he's a doctor. He's going to show us how to heal, how to breathe better, perform better. And his name is Dr. David Rubenstein. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Shelby. Yeah. And today we're going to go over some some of the symptoms that we all have as a civilian. Mm -hmm. So, for, But first of all, um, tell us a little bit about your background. Well, let's see. Um, I started uh, out as a fitness instructor uh, back in 1986 when... Nobody knew what a fitness instructor actually was. I remember being at parties and right. telling people what I did, and they said, well, what's that? Mm -hmm. So that was kind of funny. Um, but that gave me a really solid background um, in the sciences of exercise physiology and kinesiology. Those are the sciences of exercise and motion. Right. And um, they helped give a kind of a groundwork for me on how to construct a new program. My, my goal was to uh, construct a program that would help people with chronic pain Mm -hmm. particularly with athletes. Right. Um, that was my goal. Um, in this case, I kind of overshot my goal a little bit. <laughs> okay. So um, um, at your uh, clinic, uh, Total Relief Method, you mm -hmm. help people heal, help people um, maybe in a depression or or maybe a case like my personal case, I just lost my mom mm -hmm. and we talked a few times and, mm -hmm. and it really helped. Um, so you want to kind of, Describe, tell the audience what's what is uh, civilian PTSD because sure. we normally knew that came from mm -hmm. military people who was in the army, but nowadays civilian has that symptom as well. You, right? You're correct on all fronts. Um, it was a, a term it was originally called shell shocked. Shell shock. Shell shock okay. was um, the term that came in, in World War One. And the term has modified and, and, and grown over time. And what uh, the psychological community realized was that there's um, a lot of those same kinds of symptoms were showing up in the civilian population. Mm -hmm. So um, it's morphed into a uh, diagnosis of a spectrum nature, not a mm -hmm. singular, you have this or you don't have this. No, it's you may have pieces of this. Uh, going on. Mm -hmm. um, and most people do have parts of it and not others. Uh, that's kind of how it goes. But 
Um, the I suppose the distinction between the civilian version and the military version is the following okay. issue. What happens to most people, as far as I can tell, uh-huh. somewhere around 9 out of 10 people, so 90% of the population, uh-huh. has a history of some kind of trauma, some significant singular event. Trauma can be something that happens to your body, okay. an accident, a terrible accident that uh, um, hurts your body. Um, tremendous pain can be traumatic. Losing somebody, a pet, mm. um, anything qualifies as a trauma if the reaction is extreme. And the ex- sometimes the mm-hmm. reaction is more internal than external. You mean like emotion mm-hmm. instead of wound on the surface? Yeah, skin? so, so um, with, uh, with the... What happens is most people have the trauma in their childhood, okay? Okay. Um, and what distinguishes the military from the, the civilian mm-hmm. is that uh, most people that go in the military don't realize, about 9 out of 10, don't realize that they already okay. have PTSD when they sign up. Oh, okay. This is the, this is right. the real breakthrough. Okay. Um, because then they go into the military and they see things that no human being should ever see. And yet, this is the part. This is part of the military life. Mm-hmm. So um, they have a trauma, and all the reactions on top of a trauma, and all those reactions. And one of the things that that we've done is to be able to understand trauma from a non psychological point of view. Yeah. Okay. Because everybody's looking at the psychological. Secondly, it isn't. In my opinion, mm-hmm. and all of the evidence is on my side. And that's why I have this opinion. Okay. The trauma itself is not what causes the damage, but does not what causes post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm-hmm. By the way, it's not a disorder, it's a syndrome. <laughs> okay. Get to that one another time. All right. So what happens um, with uh, the, the person who gets traumatized is it sets off a chain reaction. Now, the first two stages of this chain reaction are absolutely physical only. Okay. And um, I'll sort of try to make a, a, a little bit of an act of what happens. Okay, sure. So a trauma happens. Right. I witness or participate in the trauma. Okay. One of the first things that I do is I breathe in <gasps> mm-hmm. in that kind of violent manner mm. between that inhale that's violent and the what that i've been exposed to and how my body my nervous system is going to react to it what happens is that my diaphragm main breathing muscle down here right shuts off okay now why don't we notice something so dramatic answer Mm -hmm. there are five muscles that whoops that turn on Uh automatically okay we never miss a beat we right. never know what are those that one, muscles? those muscles are called the upper division trapezius, mm-hmm. sternocleidomastoid, scalenes, levator scapula, and pec minor. Okay. Those five muscles, small muscles though they are, produce at least 60 symptoms that we have documented. Wow. And many of them are pain syndromes. Pain. Um, mm-hmm. And the problem is, is that these, if you, if you could see that list of diagnoses, uh-huh. You would know, even doctors would know that people are getting treated for, that, that they think the cause is something else. It's just an accessory breather that's overworked. Okay. Now, 
<clears throat> this produces a lot of pain. But what I really want to get into is, is you know, talking more about civilian PTSD. Okay. So, so what happens is the diaphragm shuts off automatically what must happen. There's no exceptions to this rule. Once the diaphragm shuts off, you have to hyperventilate. Mm -hmm. That's breathing faster than normal. That's what that means. Okay. Hyper means above normal. Right. Ventilate is to ventilate your lungs. Uh -huh. So this, again, is subtle at the time, okay. so the person doesn't notice this either. And it's below the thresholds that we would say, medically speaking, or is hyperventilation. Of course, that does happen. But so, so now that hyperventilation is going. The third step is that the system starts to become too hypoxic over time. Mm. And it takes a little bit of time. At the same time, I'm, the person is going to start losing their sleep quality mm, okay. and their sleep quantity. Yeah. It starts to erode away. Now I can't repair or recover from the daily stresses, let alone this big stress. Mm, okay. The next stage is um, what I call um, a trigger master. Okay. And once a person gets to this stage, say a year into the timeline after the original trauma, right. Um, they're, they're going to be really caught. They're going to be really stuck. Mm -hmm. And they're going to try to um, resolve these issues, and they're going to think that they're mental. And I'm here to say that these issues, if you take a look at the physiology of the body, uh -huh. you will see the physiology of the body has by far gone south much worse than, than all of the things that are happening with the mind. And I know that's hard for people to hear, and it's heresy to some. Mm -hmm. But when you resolve the breathing issue and the sleep issue and the body pain issue, guess what? PTSD goes away. So no, in, the, you know, in our understanding for most of the people, when all those things happen, like sleeping, mm -hmm. um, they will seeking doctor and they will the doctor will prescribe them medications. Yes. Right? Um, I'm personally I'm not a big fan of medication or vaccines. Mm. <laughs> so, but from your perspective, you we don't need to heal by taking those medications or any some sort of you know chemical pills, right? Well, I, I think that there's a reasonable time for medications to be used and an unreasonable time. And right. I think that you're speaking mostly to the unreasonable. Uh -huh. um, a lot of times uh, medications um, provide a stopgap measure and buy a person time, like sleep, okay. for example. Yeah. Let's say that immediately after the trauma, the person cannot sleep at all. Mm. Okay, that, if that's a fact... That is far more deleterious to the person's health than right. any medication would ever be. Because we know that um, three days of no sleep, you will, you will start to show signs of, of insanity. Yeah. And in fact, this is something that is done in basic training to this day mm -hmm. in um, four of the branches of the military. Okay. They keep you awake for three days and, and they make you see what happens to oh, yourself God. and other people. Uh -huh. People are running around and they're putting their bullets backwards in their gun. I mean, it's, it's, it is absolute chaos and mayhem. Uh -huh. But the soldiers are exposed to this so they know what to do, what to expect. Mm -hmm. Because if this happens in battle, you know, you know, it, could be the, the, it could be death to right. everyone. So yes. um, it's important that the... the um, the structure, the, the hierarchical structure that the 
people in charge are saying, look, you've got to rest. You've got to right. you know, go put your head down. Even though there's bombs going off, it doesn't matter. They're going to manage that. Sleep is so critical that there isn't anything that can substitute for it. And, and this is um, also true about sleep is that when you are asleep, the brain is actually cleaning itself out. Yeah, I heard this, like, when a person is sleeping, actually the brain is more active than we're awake, right? Yeah, so the brain is definitely active in sleep. And uh -huh. it's what it's doing in terms of memory and all that is it's deciding what memories am I going to keep? What <laughs> memories am I going to... I'm going to put it in a hold box for a little while, think about what I need to do, and then what other, other memories I need to just throw away. Yeah, like a computer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, um, uh, very similar to our brain, so... So then um, um, something called homeostasis. This is your body's ability. Uh, come in for a landing, I like to call it. Yeah. Um, if you get really excited, your body will automatically see to it that you come down. Uh -huh. uh, sometimes you'll come down fast. Sometimes you'll come down slow. Um, also, your body's ability to ramp up into um, higher states of energy. Mm -hmm. um, these are all part of that homeostasis and Something very interesting about homeostasis is it's part program and part hardware. Uh -huh. So software and hardware. Right. And um, the um, hardware are sensors throughout the body. Yes. And there's a very interesting thing about homeostasis, and that's that it has a unique um, one-off communication channel with the brain. Uh -huh. If the brain, when the brain gets a message on this special channel, okay. the brain automatically knows that there's something wrong in the homeostasis department. Wow. So it's like a secret code, you see. I see. It's not the same as, you know, if my knee bothers me, it sends a signal. Right. It's on a unique channel. So the brain is alerted right away when there's something wrong. Mm -hmm. So the hardware and the software of homeostasis, this is your body's innate intelligence to um, do the right thing in reacting to situations properly. Mm -hmm. Those hardware and software elements get injured right and they stop functioning yeah so what you have is a, a milieu of of i can't sleep i can't recover which mm -hmm. affects mood and and cognition right um i'm stressed out all the time i get no rest or reprieve from my stress mm -hmm. i'm having flashbacks about the event that was the trauma mm -hmm. um and so all of this adds up to like i said on that fourth stage yes there's seven stages. Um, it, it adds up to like a wall, you could say. Okay. And what's happening is that at this point in time, uh -huh. people will try and they'll, they'll resolve it. Let's say chronic pain is one of the bricks in the wall. The, well, the, let's say they're successful at it. Guess what? The wall still stands. Mm -hmm. We call this intractable in medicine. Okay. That um, it's very difficult to resolve. What I found that if you um, approach it from a purely physical and physiology standpoint, mm -hmm. what you see is that the most important thing to human life mm -hmm. by far is the acquisition and delivery of oxygen. Okay, yes. Oxygen is king. Right. If you can't do that one thing, every single thing Every other symptom is downstream to that problem. Okay. I, I right. cannot see any scientific viewpoint 
that says that that's not so. Mm-hmm. So breathing has these um, three things that it's charged to do. It's more than what people think. Yes. Number one, mm-hmm. to capture and deliver oxygen. That's what breathing prime directive is. Okay. And in the case of the person who's been exposed to trauma, yes. what happens is now that um, diaphragm's not working, mm-hmm. the consequence is they have to hyperventilate and they're still not getting enough oxygen. And the reason why is the second purpose of breathing or respiration, mm. and that is to acquire and maintain a certain minimum of carbon dioxide. Okay. You've all been told in school, breathe in oxygen, we breathe out carbon dioxide. That is patently false. First of all, there's only 19% of the uh, air is, is oxygen, so most of the air you're breathing in is not oxygen. Okay. Secondly, um, the carbon dioxide is 100% necessary. It is a life-giving gas. It is not a life-taking gas, um, unless you do the extremes. So how it works is carbon dioxide is, is used in our body to cause the delivery of oxygen. Okay. Without the proper carbon dioxide, the oxygen just runs around in your body and you exhale it. You never oh, even use it. Okay. I see. The third purpose of respiration is to manage the acid-alkaline balance of the, of the body. Mm-hmm. So now you just look at those three things, oxygen delivery, carbon dioxide, and acid-alkalinity. Any one of those not working causes a long-chain reaction of other problems. Right. So the, 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 the first thing that I do is I make sure that their body is able to acquire and deliver the oxygen. Yeah. To do that, you have to, the body has to relearn how to use the diaphragm. Okay. And it's really more of a reflexive, oh, aha, okay. in the body about how to breathe. Yeah, because it's already programmed certain ways, right? Right. The program's to, still there. Yeah, so you have to kind of interrupted. Re, retrain your body, kind mm-hmm. of sort of. Mm-hmm. So, um, as I as I mentioned earlier, because since I lost my mom recently, mm-hmm. and I, at first I thought, okay, you know, I, of course I'm sad, but I didn't thought it was that bad emotionally. You were unprepared for how. Uh, yeah, because I be. thought, I th- yeah, because in our family we never lost anyone that close, mm-hmm. so you know I thought, okay, I'll, I probably all my emotion I'll just let it let it be whatever until, let's say, first of the year, this year. So, so when the year came, came I, I still didn't know. I, I still tried to work and try to not think about it and work very hard. And start hit me February, which when I started meeting you guys. I guess when guys. I first met you. Yes. So what I start experiencing is one week I, have, I'm, I feel protected. I can, you know, do work and I'm not tired. And the following week, I still I start feeling a little down, depressed. I don't know why, and I start feeling, you know, sick. Yeah. So and then and then I sleep. Actually, I feel tired. And I sleep more, and and I feel uh, start feeling pro- procrastinating. 
and some appointment I couldn't meet or I have to cancel or reschedule. Mm-hmm. So I, this pattern going on. And what you just described maybe kind of related to this as well? Very much so. And yeah. first of all, my deepest condolences. Thank you. Losing your mom is, yes. there's nothing to, to even say here. Right. Um, so my condolences. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, there's two camps here. Okay. Every part of your description mm-hmm. was related to how your heart, your mind, I'll say your soul cries out for uh, relief, that you're you're in pain, you're right. grieving, mm. and there's a feeling of being lost inside of that. Yes, I, a little bit, yes. Because it's so overwhelming, and you know, you still have to live your life, and, yeah. and life doesn't care, and, and you're carrying this burden. Mm. So there's that. Okay. Yeah, it, I'm not a psychologist. I know. <laughs> so I wouldn't know how to um, work with you on that basis other right. than being a friend. You know? Of course, of course. Yeah. But I am a physiologist. Yeah. And so what I would do is mm-hmm. I would take you through a breathing process. Mm. And what that breathing process does is it's very specific uh-huh. to bringing the stress hormones in your body down. Oh. Okay. Okay. The angst, the upset, the stress, the fear, the mm-hmm. anger, those are all chemicals mm-hmm. and electrical discharges in your brain mm-hmm. before you ever feel the feeling. Mm. Okay. So electrochemical happens first, then we feel the feeling. Okay, right. So a psychologist or somebody who does counseling of some kind right. would address you in that stage. Stage, okay. The stage I address in is the one that's right before that. Uh-huh. Okay. So that what happens is that we're uh, working to bring down the electrochemistry yes. responsible for making you feel bad. Mm. This has the effect of the that you would be aware still right. of what has taken place, uh-huh. but it's not torturous to you anymore. Yeah, as I, it is now. Right, I, I, yeah, I, I do kind of, because before that I was feeling more confident, wasn't so worry, afraid, and the biggest part is I, I don't feel loneliness somehow. Uh, even when we have a COVID lockdown, I don't even feel lonely. But now I'm, you know, I'm, I can go anywhere. But I, since I have this sense of um, uh, emptiness somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so. your mom obviously played <laughs> a major role in your right, life, right. as moms do, you know. I mean, um, and again, so so this is a trauma for you. Yes. And we experience trauma primarily through the mind. Oh, okay. Right. With your descriptions, everything. Mm-hmm. And, and everything that you described right. are on the list of PTSD civilians. Yeah. Every one of those, mm-hmm. including the not feeling lonely or, or the change in your feelings, right. um, and even not feeling sometimes is what happens here. Okay. So over feeling and then not feeling. Not feeling. Okay. Um, let me give you an analogy. Okay. To sure. work with. All right. Let's say that we um, there's a lightning storm, oh. and it's over a forest, and there's a lightning strike on a tree. Okay. That leads to a forest fire. 
Yes. Now there's a raging forest fire. fire. Uh-huh. Question, do we go looking for where the lightning strike was as our first strategy to mm-hmm. combat the problem? No. Or do we go fight the fire? Fight the fire. That's what I do. I fight the fire. Okay. The fire is a physical thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and firefighters of, of that type, um, and I've had patients that were in that world of of fighting fires in the in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, they talk about fire as though it is a living entity. Okay. Because it it almost has moods. It has it changes and it's right. like a person changes their direction their mind. Right. So your um, situation is um, the death itself. That's the lightning strike. Uh-huh. Um, it's what's happened inside your body that has you suffering. Okay. So. After a death, mm-hmm. perhaps your breathing is not optimal. Mm-hmm. Your sleep is not optimal. Mm-hmm. All these physiological things are happening. And so that's where I put my attention. Okay. And the treatments are designed to address a person's trauma, uh-huh. not from the psychological, right. purely from the physiological. Okay. And guess what? It, it always works. Mm-hmm. At the end of the process, um, I've worked with many people who have complex PTSD. Okay. That's the worst kind. Okay. And, and by the way, just so the audience knows this, mm-hmm. even in the DSM-5, the, the, the manual for um, the diagnosis and the codes for this, it says right in there that complex PTSD, the worst one, is nothing more than runaway chronic stress. Stress of a severe, extreme nature. That's what it is. So I I ask this question a lot. Um, Where do we go to actually work on the chronic stress? Mm. Answer is nowhere. Nowhere. Everywhere you go. Let's say you get a massage. Um, it, that would be working directly on the muscle tension mm. part of the stress. Yeah. But as a big shoulder. picture thing, right. it doesn't really address the stress on the physiological level. Mm. And so what I decided to do, coming from chronic pain, which is very stressful, yes. is to focus everything on the stress component. So we have these right. three stress hormones, adrenaline, right. cortisol, and norepinephrine. Mm-hmm. Those three in our system are responsible for all the stress you feel. Oh, wow. Okay. Now, if I take those out, does the, the death of your mom change? No. No. Does the memory of all the things that have happened since change? No. No. The only thing that happens is that we take the, all of the drama mm-hmm. of that trauma mm-hmm. leaves. Leaves. Okay. It goes away. It goes away. Okay. And then you're just left with the data, what's true, you remember your reactions, but it's no longer controlling your life. And I would argue that your mom would be happier now knowing that you were not suffering so much. Yeah, well, I, like I mentioned... Nobody I wants you to suffer yeah, after you die, right? Of course. At first, I was trying to, I guess, try to compress it. It didn't work, and it blows up even bigger. So. Yeah. That's yeah. exactly it's exactly right. Uh-huh. And that's again, that is your report is um of the psychology, right? Mm-hmm. And the the trouble 
right here, right now, in this moment, is that you haven't had the treatment yet, so you don't you haven't yeah. experienced what this would be. So, right. um, I would um, really like to have you have that first treatment, and we could even talk then about okay. what's happened. Yeah, and in terms sure. of your, your sure. mom's death and how you feel about it, sure. and there'll be a lasting relief of stress mm -hmm. replaced by some peace. Yeah, because you know I can't. I can sense I'm not performing as better as before. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's one thing that's for sure. Because mm -hmm. um, I get tired easily. I get um, distraction from thinking or or I don't have much confidence because my mom was my biggest supporter. She always said, it's okay, or we can try again. Something like idea. that. I have an idea. Something like that. I have an idea. Okay, go ahead. Let's schedule an appointment. Okay. Okay. Sure. And then have a um, part two. Part two, okay. And and I'm perfectly comfortable with you just saying what happens, okay. Um, without any, um, just saying the truth, okay. That's all. Yeah, okay. we could do it that way. All right. So so you you are, um, in my opinion, suffering from PTSD mm -hmm. right now. I I think so. I'm not. That's aware not a diagnosis. Of... That's yes. just yes. The, as far as what are the items? Uh huh. Go look it up. It's mm -hmm. very simple to see. Yeah, I I start. I I I'm self aware, but I don't know why and and, and how to resolve it. Actually, you know. Well, that's why you go to. Because I didn't have experience with that. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. So um. So where people can find you? Um. Our office. Our, our clinic is in Huntington Beach. Uh -huh. Um. Our cross streets are, uh, Bolsa Chica. And Heil, right. we're in the third floor of the uh, Wells Fargo Bank Building, mm -hmm. um, and that's where our clinic is. And I know, I know that you have a lot of uh, speaking events. If people mm -hmm. want to follow, mm -hmm. do you have a social media page or something? Um, you can follow? Yes, we um, look up at totalreliefmethod.com. Mm -hmm. That would be, of course, to our website, and from there you can. You know, go wherever you'd want to go, see some of the speak engagements we've that I've done, um, okay. and take a look at some of the uh, some of the more technical stuff that I've produced. Um, and right now, I'm I'm very close to being complete with um, uh, a book on PTSD. Oh wow! And it deals with both the military and the civilian yes. forms. Okay. Um, and it, it's um, written for um, the general audience and mm -hmm. and clinicians as well. So. Okay, so when that book comes out, you have to come back. Okay, sounds okay. great. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Yeah.